This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back into the NBA Morning Deuce. We're back. It's Joey, joined by Alex, as always, and uh, wow, we have a doozy of a Monday show. Like, it, this is obviously a thing now. Like, coming off the weekend in the playoffs, we got a lot to get to and a lot of craziness to hit. Um, Jamal Murray is an absolute monster. We know that now. We don't have Luka anymore. A lot of teams advance to the second round. We're going to hit everything from the weekend. Um, first, look, I want to just say, you know, obviously, if you listen to the show, you you listen to the Thursday episode or message more so than an episode. It was pretty quick um, addressing the league's uh, boycott, protest, whatever you want to call it, by the players um, and our my full support and our full support for the players and, and their message they're trying to get out. Um, with their protests. Uh, And for those of you who are not totally caught up on where we stand now that games are back, um, you know, the players sat for three days. They, they postponed games for three days. Um, There was a talk of possibly canceling some, there was rumors and a lot of things flew around and a lot of people were talking about what the players should or shouldn't do or what was right and what was wrong. But ultimately things got done. Um, most importantly of which in the immediate is most NBA arenas, NBA arenas owned by teams will be converted for the 2020 presidential election into polling sites, which is in my opinion, in a lot of people's opinion, a major, major win and just sort of a sign of what can be accomplished when the players, you know, just by sitting out three days, they accomplish something that probably should have been done a long time ago. And is going to be a huge, huge thing for people in a lot of those communities. So kudos to the players. Still, I mean, totally support everything that they're doing. And as you'll hear in a couple minutes, these guys from Jury, we're going to play you some sound. These guys, it's still heavy on their mind. Um, So they decided to play because they believe their platform is bigger playing and being in the bubble. And like I said on Thursday... Whatever they decide, I'm 100% with it. So that being said, Alex, let's just start right there. I was trying to figure out where to start. Like, should we start with so Saturday's games? Yeah. Should we start with Sunday with Sunday's games? But we got to start. I just want to say, before you go on, I, I just want to reiterate, I'm just so proud that of the NBA and of the players, that something of real substance came out of this. The polling stations, like that, that can make a tangible difference. And uh, just really proud. Yeah, Go ahead. It's a, it, just no, no, that up. great. I mean, it's couldn't have said it better. It's just an amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing, and it, it that this is the that this is the league we 
are so into it and always have been, and they continue to be the bar for what a professional league, sort of how they handle these situations, and it's been great. Um, so we'll start. Let's start today right off. I mean, we got to start with Jamal Murray and the Nugget. Have to. Um, Denver comes back. Denver is down 3-1. They're now 3-3. They won last night. Um, Jamal freaking Murray. Unbelievable. You, you said it. I think you're right. He heard my apology, and he wants a better one. He said that wasn't fucking good enough. And he, he might want an apology for me because I took a little bit of exception uh, from Mike Malone dropping the superstar word. And he looks every bit of it right now. And this is this is now a series going to seven games where he's looked at most of the time. He's had two duds, but he looks unbelievable. We usually record this podcast at like 12, 1230. I, I texted Joey and I said, I'm fired up after that game. We have to record this right now. Oh yeah, this I mean, is that. I'm usually waiting on. Yeah, I'm usually waiting. I'm, game. I'm usually waiting on Alex, and he was like, "Let's go, let's I just calm down. Let's get some stuff ready." <laughs> um, but I mean, look, but look at the numbers. The, yeah, fourth player ever to have multiple 50 point games in a single playoff series, joining Allen Iverson, Michael Jordan, and Donovan Mitchell, who, by the way, did it in this series. This series, um, unbelievable. Mitchell himself had 44 in last night's game. Uh, you texted me and asked during the game, is he like legitimately, is, is he actually just like an, an absolute superstar? Is this what we're seeing sort of with this evolution? And it's hard to say, I mean, sure. From a, as an offensive player, it's hard to argue the results. Um, and I'm racking my brain just sort of like watching this game, these games, what is the control other than him just being an on an absolute tear like we've rarely seen ever in the history of the NBA? Like, what are the factors? Like, why all of a sudden in this series? Um, I don't think Utah's defense is as good as they're always billed to be. They were sort of middle of the pack in defensive efficiency this year, and a lot. And their defense is hinges on Rudy Gobert being an incredible rim protector. Uh, having to guard Jokic changes the way their, their defense is. And they're really and, obvi- and they're just really struggling to guard Jamal Murray. They they don't have an answer on the wing to guard Jamal Murray, and he's right. that, getting that being said, this he's isn't get, like he's a getting piss to, port. Sorry, go ahead. He's getting to his spots, and he's taking advantage. And yeah, like I know you're going to say it's not a, it's not a it's not a bad defense, right? And that has to be to his credit. Like we've seen bad defenses, we know what they look like. Utah is not yeah, a Denver. bad defense. Yeah, Denver. Denver was like historically bad up until these yeah. last couple <laughs> yeah. games. Um. Yeah, I mean that's that's one thing. Now the other thing that kind of popped into my head watching this game and just seeing him and Murray just trade buckets again. It's like a heavyweight I, fight when those dudes are in the middle of the ring just swinging. I'm wondering. I'm wondering when you look at that and you look at Luca. Not that I mean, obviously Luca is incredible and he's playing incredible. Um, but you see some of like these younger guys, and then you saw like Devin Booker earlier in the bubble the 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 non-home quarter the no fans i think is a really interesting thing there's no way to quantify it right but like some of these guys like a jamal murray in some of these games how much would just even at, at home or away would having that energy and the crowd noise and the arena shaking and all of in these moments where now it's just you hear like the fan noise from the speakers, but now it's just 
I mean, it's just you guys. There's no one there. So you, there's really like, it's like open gym. And believe me, you see these guys in open gym, that's that's easy, right? 50 points. When you're that high level of a player and the, the weight kind of comes off you a little bit, I wonder how much being in the bubble and playing in this in, in this atmosphere is having an impact, particularly on this series, because we see what's going on, but just mm-hmm. on, you know, guys who are not historically like 40-point-a-game scorers in general. Right, and that's a great point, um, particularly regarding Jamal Murray. I remember one of the Nuggets coming out, to, not the Denver Nuggets, one of the Nuggets on Jamal Murray in the draft when he was coming out of Kentucky was that he meditated every day. And I was like, huh, okay. He's a very cerebral player. And like not having that stress of the crowd or lacking the stress of the crowd can really affect a player like that. And I just have to think that there's something going on there, just this bubble situation and like the uniqueness of it. And this guy's just in the zone. Like you rarely ever see. I mean, you knew he was a player that gets hot. He's had outbursts before, but, not like this. This was he. He just took over the game and looked like a superstar. And I'm ready to uh, to be all aboard the Jamal Murray bandwagon here. Oh yeah, absolutely. And if actually before we before I go to the sound, I will. I'm gonna uh, another thing I have to mention is Denver's defense. And yes, Donovan Mitchell is still going off and he's still getting his buckets. But two things I, I have to credit. One. Jeremy Grant, in the past two games, his defensive intensity has really been on another level. And similar to Lou Dort, who we'll talk about in the Houston series, Harden's still getting his buckets, but he's making it harder. Jeremy Grant has made life tougher for Donovan Mitchell. And in the second half of games, through the first four games in the second half, Utah scored 60 points in each of the first four second halves of this series. In these past two games... Last game, they scored like 43. This game, they got up above 50, but a lot of buckets late in the game. Denver, in the second half, has really ramped up their defensive play. And really, overall, over these last few games, Donovan getting his buckets, but not allowing other guys to hurt them the way they did in some of the other games. So it's impressive. Um, But back to Murray. If you are not a Jamal Murray fan based on the performance and what he's doing in this series. His post-game interview is an all-time playoff classic, regular I mean, just a really amazing interview from this guy. Just, you, since you won't see it, and I cut out the questions from Jared Greenberg just to set the table. So after the game, uh, Jamal was, he was asked about the game and he looked at his shoes and he said, the shoes give me power. And then he got really emotional. Then they showed his shoes and his shoes have George Floyd and Breonna Taylor on them. And he took his time and these are two of his answers in the middle. Jared Greenberg followed up with a question about George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. So you'll hear Jamal start talking about it, but this was his answer. It's a little bit longer than what we would normally play for a soundbite, but I think it's just worth hearing. I just want to win. And in life, you find things that hold value to you, and things to fight for. And we found something worth fighting for. As an NBA, as a collective unit, 
and I use these shoes as a, as a symbol to me to keep fighting all around the world. So I can say they give me a lot of power to keep fighting. We want to win. I show my emotion. It comes out. So, because it's not just in America, it happens everywhere. And uh, for us to come together, the NBA. And you know, it doesn't take one meeting. It takes a couple meetings, a few meetings. It takes phone calls. It takes resistance. It's not gonna take one night. And we've been doing, trying to fight for 400 years. But these shoes give me life. Even though these people are gone, they give me life. They give me. Uh, they help me find strength to keep fighting this world. That's what I'm keep doing. So, yeah. I mean, I I don't have anything to say about that. I think it speaks for itself. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I watched it live and I had chills and I just, I don't know. I, I liked him during the game and then afterward I was like, this this guy is just a great dude and uh, I'm really excited to see where he goes from here because it looks like he's on a, a super upward trajectory. Yeah, we'll see how it turns out. Game seven, I got, I'm rooting for them now. I mean, you got to root for the Nuggets to pull this out coming back from 3-1 and see what they can do against, to earn the right to, play the Clippers um that'll be a different series but we'll talk about that later depending on who makes it because that's just a whole different ball game for both teams um well let's talk about the Clippers let's move um Clippers win on Sunday 111 97 they close out that series they win 4-2 uh Kawhi the Mavs were I mean they were tight it was tight they were only down by six, the Mavericks, in the fourth quarter, but then Kawhi Leonard came back in and it was just he's a cyborg. He's just he ended with 30, he finished with 33. He's averaging 33 in the series. Or he averaged 33 in the series. Um you know what's interesting? I was thinking like Van Gundy said at one point in the game, he's Luca's an absolute top five player in the league right now. No question. And we've talked about that on the show. And I agree. I mean, I, it's hard to make an argument against it. But what Kawhi showed me is that even being in the top five, there's still another level, right? And there's yeah. probably only two guys on that level, Kawhi yeah, and LeBron. There's, there's tiers. There's a couple tiers in that top five. Yeah, I mean, there's Kawhi. There's LeBron. If Katie's 100% healthy, he's probably in that tier. And Giannis is close, but he's not. I, I don't say, think Giannis is knocking on the door. He's there, knocking on the door, quite. and and Luca is probably knocking on the door in a few in a year or two also. But Kawhi and LeBron right now, and Kawhi yeah. maybe even more so because this is not a knock on LeBron, but I don't think he could take over and score the way Kawhi can just sort of submit teams the way he does. I think the thing that jumped out to me is like. In crunch time like that, fourth quarter, you know Kawhi's going to take a lot of shots to 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 carry the team. But every shot he's taking is like a good shot. Like he can get a good shot for his team every single time. And it's just like he's he's like a robot. He's like a cyborg out there. The way he moves and there's just no wasted motion to anything he does. It's like beautiful to watch. And uh, you mentioned the 30. It's like the quietest 33-point series I've ever seen. He went 29 points, 35 points, 36 points, 32, 32, 33. We didn't really mention him that much in the series because he's just so... He makes like, it look easy. Yeah, he's just he just grinds it out. And he really reminded me today, like, like he's on that tier. 
He's a hundred percent. He really is. It's it's either the best player or the second best player in this league. Yeah, and uh, and Luca's got a little bit of a little bit of room to grow. Oh yeah, no question. But I mean, look, this is what we expected, right? We expect the Clippers to advance. Mm -hmm. We expect them to be in the conference finals or the finals. So there's not a whole lot surprising about this result. Um, Luca had 38, nine and nine in the closeout game. Um, and not, we're not going to go too far down the road of what happens for this team now and how good they're going to be. We're going to do a bonus episode this week. That'll come out either Tuesday or Wednesday. And we're going to really dive deep into the, the future of the Mavs because they are looking like they have a, chance to be one of the most probably one of the funner teams in the NBA for the foreseeable future with Luca. So we're going to dive into that, but um, just that's, a, I mean, he took, but he did, he took a, he took a star turn in this series that we all knew he was, we all knew he was great, but um, I don't know that we knew or that a lot of people knew that he was at this level already. Right. And to have us saying that without winning the series <laughs> tells you how impressive that was. Like, normally, you see you guys take these huge steps because they win a series that they weren't supposed to win. They lost to the Clippers. Clippers are the better team. But he just looked so dominant and yeah, so I mean, comfortable out there not only at was 21 he, years old. Not only was he dominant, not only did they win two games and have the series tied at one point to where you didn't know it was going to happen, but he had one of the sweetest game-winning buzzer beaters in NBA history mm-hmm. in one of the best performances in NBA history against a team that some people before the season thought was going to be the best defense in NBA history and arguably the two best, like you said, wing defenders in the NBA right now. Just what he, I mean, yeah, it's it's hard to really, I, I was saying that I know that the Clippers, they could play LeBron, they could play Giannis um, going forward eventually, but I don't, I don't see how they could play against somebody who is playing at a higher level than what Luka threw at them this series. They'll play against better teams, mm-hmm. but I don't know that mm-hmm. any one player is going to be playing at a higher level than what we just saw from Luka against the Clippers. Like, yeah, I agree with The that. combination of everything it. he does, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. and it does say a lot that they survived it. Sure. Um, even with KP banged up. No Pat Beverly for most of the series. Yeah. Um, so... We'll wait to see who they play in the second round, but um, I can't imagine as good as Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell are playing. Can't imagine either of them are better than Luca as an all-around player, and I think they're both easier to guard. So, um, let's go to the 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 other game that was on Sunday, the greatest series in the history of the NBA playoffs. I mean, it it the way people were talking about this series going into <laughs> it, it seemed like we were heading into the finals that the winner of this series was going to win the championship, that this was going to be the best series ever. And it, it, look, it's one game. So anything's possible. This could be the best series ever. But right now, the Celtics, they're up one nothing, and they absolutely... I'm going to go with butt-smoked yep. the Raptors. 112-94, and it was not ever close. No. It, never, it never looked like... The Raptors had a chance in this game. Like it's one twelve to ninety four. It's not like it doesn't look that much of a beatdown. But I think the Celtics when they went up by double digits early and never ever looked back. I don't think the Raptors cut it to single digits. I think they cut it to twelve in the third quarter. 
you know, usually these game these leads balloon out to 20 and then a good team makes a run and it's a game again. But the Celtics were the much better team the entire 48 minutes. And uh, that's scary if you're the Raptors. And, yeah, and I will say this kind of showed that Brad Stevens is sort of playing chess while everyone's playing <laughs> checkers, gonna, right? I mean, I was, I was thinking Brad Stevens is a little pissed about that Nick Nurse Coach of the Year award, and it's like I'm just but like Nick Nurse is an that. incredible coach and made yeah. some really good adjustments in the game. Like when they went to the zone, it really stifled Celtics for a little bit. But Brad Stevens made every adjustment that Nick Nurse made, and they just couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. And not only that, it's like. The, the Rockets get all this credit for playing small ball and being successful with it, but the Celtics are basically doing that. I mean, they're doing the mm-hmm. same thing. And, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that the Celtics have a... I mean, they're an elite defense, and they have a a real shot to go to the finals. I mean, I can think anybody still in the East kind of does, but Boston has three lit number ones. And Jalen yep. Brown, I'd never thought I'd say that about because I, I've done a complete 180 on him. He is super impressive, and he really doesn't have any flaws at the moment. He's not like a he's not a top ten, top maybe not even top probably not top fifteen. He's probably cracking the top twenty. Like he's got oh, a player in the league. Or yeah, player? yeah, player, in, player the in the league. Wow, wow. I, I mean, I think- he's got everything. What does he I'm not have? I'm super high on him. No, I, I think maybe his best quality is his willingness to buy into this role that Brad Stevens has for him. You know what I mean? Like, I know. He doesn't need all these shots. And when he gets has these games where he can take 18 shots, he shows you what he can do. And his athleticism just jumps out at you immediately. Paul, Pierce, like, he, Paul Pierce said before the game that he's a top five two-way player right now yeah. in the NBA. And I, I, I immediately I was like, LeBron, Kawhi, Giannis, Paul George. Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis. But... After that, he's probably in the next group in terms of two legit two-way players. Like Clay Thompson, when he's healthy, mm-hmm. is in that is on that group, and I still would put him above Jalen when he's healthy. But just like legit offensive, defensive players, he's probably right there on the next tier. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, he does I'm everything right offensively. There There's nothing he can't do. He gets to the rim. He's got mid-range. He can shoot the three. His ball handling has improved so drastically since he was in college. Like the biggest concern for me was. I knew he wasn't a great shooter out of college, but he also just, he was like a straight line line drive dribbler. Like he Mm -hmm. didn't have any mix to his dribble. He does it. He does a lot of stuff now. Like if he was on another team, he'd be the clear number one and probably averaging 25 a game. Mm -hmm. It's, it's really impressive. We were Um, texting about that today. And the other thing I want to say about the Celtics is just the defensive intensity. We touched on it in the, the first series, but like Brad Stevens has all of these guys so much on the same page. Mm hmm. Um, we talked about the Rockets' defensive intensity. The Celtics' defensive intensity is right up there with it, but they're also just all really good defenders as well. Yeah, which is it just makes it a nightmare. The Raptors, nothing came easy in that game. And you texted me. You said uh, Raptors are also missing a lot of wide open shots, and I have to wonder if it's kind of a mental thing where every shot is so difficult that when these open shots do open up, you're putting additional pressure on yourself. Possible, like, I have yeah. to knock this down. Yeah, totally. But, uh, Celtics defense was really impressive. Yeah, I mean, they held the Raptors to 97 points. And there, there's two things about this series that I want to point that I just want to bring up before we move on to the Saturday games. One is there was a lot of talk about Boston's depth 
being the pro like their concern. But the, for all the talk of how deep the Raptors are, they're like seven deep. And the two guys that are like real contributors off their bench are Serge, who's playing great in the playoffs, and Norman Powell, who's also playing great, but he's Norman Powell. Like, this team's not that deep. And so today when you hold um, Fred Van Fleet, who's been balling, and Siakam to like 24 points combined, it ain't going to get it done. And they're just, mm -hmm. they, they just showed today, like they're not that, they're not that deep. And then the other thing was, we, this, I hit you on this. I think they, pro they were probably pretty overrated entering this series. And again, this is not saying they can't come back and and win the like compete and win. The, this is one game, so this is a huge probably overreaction from me, right? From one game, from seeing what happened. But in the regular season, the Raptors were twenty three and seventeen against against excuse me against playoff teams. Sorry, twenty three and seventeen against playoff teams. Seven of those wins were against Orlando and Brooklyn. So that means against playoff teams that weren't Orlando and Brooklyn, they were 16 and 17. They were 30 and 2 against non-playoff teams. And in the first round, when everyone was like, oh, they're playing the best basketball in the NBA, they're playing against the worst playoff team in NBA history. So have we actually learned anything about this Raptors team yet this year? Other than the fact that they kind of just became everyone's darlings because Kawhi left and they wanted to see him continue to succeed because they, you know, Kawhi went to the super team. Uh, I have no holes to punch in that argument. It's, it's airtight. Um, I don't even know if it's an argument. Like good. the thing is, I don't even know if it's an argument. Like, right. And yeah, I'm not no, I'm again, I still think they're good and I still think they'll compete in the series and, they could, they're going to win some games. They'll probably win some games. I, I don't think, I think it's going to be a sweep and a 20-point right. blowout every night, but there was a lot of hype on the Raptors this year and in this and entering this uh, series. So maybe they're just not quite what we thought they were, which is fine. I mean, not every team can be a championship team. I mean, <laughs> it's just what it is. But, I mean, we'll see. There's yeah, still a lot I, more to be played, obviously, but it... it didn't look good today. Did not look good. Yeah. Or excuse me, to be on clear, Sunday. To be clear, we're not saying the Raptors are not a good team, um, but I'm with you. I think their title hopes are just like far-fetched. Just forget title hopes. Going to forget title hopes. They're, it was far. I think they're getting out of the East is far-fetched. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean that, after what I saw today, it's yeah. going to be a, a. It is going to be an absolute uphill battle for them to beat the Celtics, and even if they get that done beating whoever comes out of the other series, because if the Heat somehow beat the Bucks, then they're obviously super legit. I think the only chance the Raptors have in this series is if what we saw from Pascal Siakam was um, an outlier, and he had a really shitty game. If this is what Siakam is the whole series, they have no chance. But he was a guy coming into this playoffs that I thought he could really take a step he, forward and be also, a guy we're talking about. He also hasn't been great. He wasn't great in the last series either. Yeah, he wasn't. Yeah, he he just is not impressive right now. Um, they absolutely need him to be the best player on their team. I know Kyle Lowry's great, but Siakam has to be the best player on this team by a big margin if they're going to uh, make some noise against the Celtics. Yeah, absolutely. And Van Fleet's going to have to play way better because they've been mm -hmm. leaning on him to score a ton. Um, 
Yeah, that that hopefully the series. I mean, there was so much hype in coming into this game today that hopefully the Raptors turn. And I, I I think they'll adjust, and it'll the games will at least be more competitive. I don't know how many they're going to win. Yeah, but it, it'll definitely be more competitive going forward. Uh, let's look at Saturday's games. Um, let's just talk Lakers and Bucks real quick because we can kind of go through them quickly. Uh, Lakers closed out the Blazers at 131-122. People are concerned about the... I mean, look, the, they were. I think people are concerned about the way the Lakers looked. And I, I mean, if I was concerned about any like high-level t- team, it's maybe them because their offense is so dependent on LeBron and AD doing what they do. And the rest of their team is kind of garbage. But I also think like... <laughs> The the Blazers, you know, they're playing like with nothing to lose. So the game yeah. was closer than it probably looked. I, there's no surprises here to me. I think the Lakers now they wait to see what happens with the Rockets and the Thunder, and this is what we thought was not. I mean, this is what we expected. Yeah, I'm with you. I, you've been a little worried about the Lakers, probably rightfully so. I just haven't had that same sense about the Lakers. I I think. Well, I'm not worried about I, them. I think, but I think there's rightfully. They they haven't looked good offensively. Yeah, like they're just okay offensively, other than LeBron and AD just going bonkers every game. So, mm-hmm. but I, I I think if they play the Rockets, it's just gonna be the same thing. They're not gonna be able to stop LeBron or AD either. So, right. I mean, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not overly surprised about them. I, I still think it's them and the Clippers in the conference finals, and that's what know. I've been waiting to see all season. Yep. Yeah. Um, Bucks. Advanced, they beat the Magic 118-104 to beat them 4-1. Um, look, same deal. The Bucks' offense hasn't been great, but the Magic are a better defensive team than people realize. Um, and the thing that now, so tomorrow, Bucks heat game one. We'll make our picks in a little bit, but it's amazing to me the way people are jumping on the heat as a potential like spoiler here in beating the Bucks. ESPN did a poll, their expert picks. They polled 17 of their writers on who's going to win that series. Seven out of se- 10, p- team, t- 10 people picked the Bucks and seven people picked the Heat. Wow. And only one of them picked the series to end in less than six games, and one of them picked the Bucks to win in five. Everyone else has it going six or seven games, and the Heat, seven of them are winning. I'm not saying, again, this is the same as the Raptors. I'm not saying the Heat can't win the series. Are we? It seems like a little reactionary on the Heat sweeping a, pay, a weak Pacers team, and the Bucks not looking perfect against the Magic. Um, I don't. The, the the Heat are good. I don't think they're beating the the Bucks in that series. I I, I don't think so either. But I'm way closer than I was at the beginning of the playoffs. Like the heat really showed me something. And again, maybe, maybe I'm blowing that out of proportion just because of how shorthanded the Pacers were. Um, so yeah, maybe the heat are good. They're probably going to win some games. I just don't see yeah. them winning the series that again, I, not a knock, but I like, I heard some people talking about like Jimmy Butler, like, Oh, you know, the heat have Jimmy Butler as their, as their go-to guy down the stretch. Now he was 28, percent from the field in clutch time this year so you know he's since the since 2014-15 he's three of 11 in the playoffs in clutch time oh 
you should probably don't need to be banking. I mean, that's probably not the guy you bank on to say, we're going to beat the Bucks because we have Jimmy Butler. And that, that's not the only reason. A lot of people are pumping up the Bam Giannis matchup. Bam can give him trouble. I totally agree. I said that before the ser- before the playoffs. I think this will be one of the, I think this will be a series that Bam becomes like a household name superstar. But he's not going to shut down Giannis. I think it's just going to be because of the way he plays Giannis. People are going to be like, "Oh my god, this guy's good." Giannis is still going they're still going to win. Um How many games? I, I know you're on board with the Bucks. How four, many games? I think 4-2. Okay. I could but I wouldn't be shocked if they won 5-4-1. I mean, they are the better yeah. team. The Heat play the Heat are deep. They play good defense. They're shooting the ball really well. They're well coached. The best player on the floor by a wide margin is <laughs> on the Bucks. Yes. So I just think the Bucks are starting to get rolling. We haven't seen the best of them even close yet. It'll be an interesting series, but I can I, I see the Bucks absolutely coming out of that. And I, I think just, it's worth mentioning Middleton's played a lot better these last two games as well. Yes. So Chris yep. Middleton's coming on. And I mean, he, they have the two players you would want with the ball in, in your hand in their hands at the end of the game, mm-hmm. Middleton and Giannis. Like I'd rather have the ball in Middleton's hand than Jimmy's hand. I trust him. Ooh, to, you you might piss some people off with that. I I, I actually might agree with you, but yeah. I mean to to get you a bucket. Now, to create a bucket for somebody else, sure, Jimmy. But to just get you one bucket, Middleton could score from anywhere on the floor. Jimmy's, you know, gets the rack, gets the free throw line. I mean, that you don't want him shooting a, yeah. a three to, to tie or win. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm with you. So, we'll see. That game starts, uh, excuse me, as soon as it starts, starts tonight. Um, and we'll have uh, Jonathan Zaslow. He's a... Uh, radio host down here in Miami where I live and he does the heat pre and post game. So he's going to come on and talk with us about the heat game afterwards. Um, last game of the weekend, the Rockets destroyed the thunder 114, 180 to take a three, two lead in that series. Russell Westbrook returned. Um, didn't look great scoring the ball, but I thought impacted the game in such a huge way you could just see from the beginning the pace of their offense was different and the numbers bear it out. I mean, before this, before game five in this series, their pace was 99 possessions per 48 minutes, which was one of the worst in the playoffs. In the regular season, they were second in the league in pace and their pace jumped up to that number in game five. They got more paint touches in game five. Russ was, had seven assists and zero turnovers. Offensively, he makes he he makes a difference, especially against a team like the Thunder, who don't want to play fast. Yeah, um, I, I'm just glad he's back. I, I'm so glad the Rockets are at full strength. Those quad injuries tend to linger, and I was worried that I was going to shelve him for a while. And uh, watching that game, they uh, Rockets really attacked Shea Gilgis Alexander on defense. Um, I was raving about him before the game. He had a really bad game, and um, I don't know if that was a. a did you see that like? They were talking about it on the broadcast, yeah. but well, it was when really it was him. when it was when Lou Dort had to go out of the game because he is a basically a they're basically playing four on five when he's on the offensive end. <laughs> yeah. um, and credit to Mike D'Antoni, and I mean, eighty points is the least amount of points any Rockets team has given up in the D'Antoni era. Um, and part of that was because they basically just weren't guarding Lou Dort most of the game and he shot he 0 for 9 from 3 0 for 9 
Um, so as is that a record? That actually might be a record. Oh, for I, I tweeted it out. It wasn't a record. He tied Harden and two other people for the most threes in a quarter without making one, which was six. Sheesh. In the first quarter, he just wouldn't stop shooting. Um. But uh, he, he was shooting dorts, dude. <laughs> shooting dorts. He was shooting dorts for sure. Um, but yeah. So when he went out of the game, Harden just they they just went at Shea and he couldn't handle it. And look, uh, with Russ, the way the offense looks, I think now playing faster. Um, if they if their defense is even a shell like a, even remotely like what it was in last game, this series looks over to me. But it's so hard because you keep thinking you know what's going on in this series and then you don't. So yeah. I, I don't know. It's I'm I would lean th- Rockets, and since we might as well just lead that into our picks for tonight. Yeah, uh, Rockets. You said minus five and a half, right? For the yes, Rockets, is what the, mm-hmm. I'm going to take the Rockets. Plus my am, plus my boy my my buddy's son Max, who said that the Rock Max the ro- is on fire. Yeah, the that the Rockets to get him an account. I that, don't think it's legal. How old is he? Uh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm. Based on how he makes his picks, it was like must be 19, 20 years old. But I think he's more like nine or ten or twelve okay. or eleven. So I don't not know. Legal he's for him to have he's anywhere. He could be anywhere from nine to fourteen. I'm not entirely okay. sure. Um, Good age. But uh, I'll go Rockets. Why not? I think it looks like they finally have the Thunder's number. So yeah, I'm going to go Rockets minus five and a half. But again, it does feel like. You know, if the Rockets don't shoot well, you Thunder could win this game and force a game seven. Uh, like I'm not, this isn't a game I would just like. I want to bet on. You know, it's just, no, absolutely. If not. I got to make a pick, it's Rockets right. minus five and a half. Um, and then Heat Bucks, Bucks are minus five and a half as well. I'm gonna go Heat. I think it'll be a close first game. I'll take the Heat to cover. Okay, I'm I'm gonna go Bucks then to cover the. You said five and a half, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, I'm going to go with the Bucks, And I still think it'll be a close game. I mean, you can have a close game and it just gets away at the end. It's just... Yeah, totally. That's what I'm feeling. Yeah. Again, not a game I would actively like be confidently betting on. Right. Um, that's it from the weekend. The, there's one other thing quickly that I just... I have to get off my chest before we go um, that happened while we were off, pretty much. Nate McMillan was fired by the Pacers. Um two weeks after he got an extension um, by after they got swept by the heat. It's absurd. Um, it makes no sense. People are citing three and 16 in the postseason, but let's look at in the four years he was there. The first year they were swept by the Cavs. That was the year Paul George was essentially out the door. The second year they took the Cavs to seven games. It's the only year he had Oladipo fully healthy. Third year swept by the Celtics. Last year in the first round, Oladipo was out. That was the year he got hurt. This year, swept by the Heat. No Sabonis, no Lamb, and Oladipo not 100%. I don't know that there's a ton of coaches that could have done better under the circumstances that McMillan's had since he took over as coach. And it's just another absurd firing. I don't know what their plan is there. Chad Buchanan was the assistant GM when I was in Charlotte. We don't have, I don't have a ton of time to go into it, but he's a clown. Um, I think it's a bad decision. And it's really annoying, and I, I'm sick of seeing good coaches not get a shot to do what they can do with a full and healthy team. It's just not, it's not right. Yeah. If I can follow up with just some speculation, just the timing of it, two weeks after it 
two weeks after an extension, it's just so bizarre that it makes me think like something happened behind closed doors that we don't know about. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I agree. A lot of people are speculating and I'm sure more will come out, but it's just crazy. I, 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 it's, it's just dumb. I, I, I hope he gets a job somewhere else to keep, but he's, this is his second job now and he'll probably be an assistant somewhere and that's fine, but just kind of stinks, but oh well. Um, all right. That's it. Uh, check us out tomorrow. Jonathan Zaslow, Miami Heat. He covers the Heat down here for seven ninety. The ticket. He'll be on, and we'll uh, we'll break that down game awesome. one of that series. So yeah, what a right. night! What a night last night was. Yeah. All right. See you tomorrow. Later.